Welcome. I'm Pastor John, and you're listening to the Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene is a Bible-believing church located in York, Pennsylvania. Please be sure to check out our webpage, www.stillnaz.com, for ways to connect, watch, request prayer, and to give. This series is titled, In the Waiting, Trusting God in the Middle Moments. Each story from Genesis, we will explore an invitation to trust God in the middle of our own waiting times, to believe that He is always up to something good. Now to the sermon. Here's our lead pastor, Pastor Josh Kleinfeld. This is my incredible wife, Aubrey. Can you guys say hi, Aubrey? Um, what, what did you say you wanted to say to everybody before you read the scripture? I just wanted to say that it's, I, I'm just kind of overwhelmed to be together again, but I miss having you in my living room. <laughs> um, it was fun to have everybody. Um, this one? This one? It was fun to have everybody um, in our living room for the past few months. Um, and it, there's a couple things I know. God is good. And God is near. Um, and one of my favorite theologians, James Bryan Smith, says that you are one in whom God dwells and delights. And you live in the unshakable kingdom of God. We live in the unshakable kingdom of God. We are citizens of the kingdom. And the kingdom is not in trouble. And neither are we. And that's all. (laughs) I thought you were about to preach. So (laughs) that's right. Thank you, hon. Um, So um, there is kind of a bubbly joy in being together, isn't there? Um, And so there is. um, And and so, uh, yeah. Our text for today is Genesis 18. And there's a little bit of bubblicious joy here in this text. We're going to be reading Genesis 18, and then we'll be jumping ahead to Genesis 21. And today may be the most ridiculous sermon title I have ever given you. It is the birth of, ha-ha! That's really the title of the sermon. So, the birth of, ha-ha. Over the next few weeks, we're taking time in Genesis to see that God is a God we can trust in the middle, in the middle of our circumstances. We've learned a bit, if we've been listening, about waiting over the past few months, but I think God has some more for us to understand. And so we're titling this series, In the Waiting. Um, And it actually comes from that song, which I got stuck in my head because my daughter um, sings it over and over and over again. And so just because now things are in the green phase anyways, doesn't mean that we need to stop learning to be patient. There's still going to be things in our lives that we're going to need to learn to wait on God for. And so in this series, we're going to be looking through Genesis and looking at characters who learned to wait on God. Today, we're looking at someone who really had to learn to wait. We first met Abram in Genesis chapter 12, and he is 75 years old. Raise your hand, if you want to, admit that you're above 70. 
Okay. Hello, septuagenarians. What's up? Great to see you. Okay, so this is the first time that God meets Abram and Abram meets God. And that was the day that God called Abram and said, listen, I'm going to make you into a nation that is going to bless the world. But there's one major problem. Abram had no, zero, count it on your one hand, zero children. And he and his wife were getting old. Today, the text that we're reading is 24 years later. So 24 years ago from today was 1994. Um, I was 15 years old. Um, Do the math yourself. How old were you 24 years ago? Did you even exist yet? Some of you didn't. Anyways, well, imagine that 24 years ago, God showed up to you and said, listen, I've got this incredible, incre- incredibly insane promise, and it's going to come true. Believe me. And imagine it's 24 years later, and that promise has yet to be fulfilled. How would you feel? A little disheartened? A little disbelieving? A little doubt-filled? Listen, God came back in Genesis 17 and, and renewed the promise. And when he did, Abram laughed at God. And God said, nope, you're going to have a son. And because you laughed, you're going to name him Laughter. The Hebrew word for laugh actually sounds like this, tzakak, which kind of sounds like laughter, right? And in Hebrew, the name Isaac is Yitzhak, which also sounds like laughter. Ha ha. But still, when we meet Abraham, the promise has yet to be fulfilled. Sarah's womb remains empty. They tried another way with Hagar, and God said, nope, that child, the child of promise, is going to come through Sarah. And so we find Abraham and Sarah in the ache, in the waiting. They've got a full house. They've got lots of riches, but no child. Can you feel the ache? 24 years of waiting. Let's hear. um, If you want, go ahead and stand as we hear the word. Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it a servant, gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set those before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. 
Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I, I, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Can someone say thanks be to God? You may be seated. It's so good to see your faces. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I kind of want to run out and hug everybody. Not going to. Not going to. Okay. Someday. What did Abraham and Sarah do in the middle of their waiting? Do you see what they did in the middle of their barrenness? They threw a party for strangers. Yes, they welcomed the wandering men. They didn't know who these three were, yet Abraham got busy, bustled about, and got his whole little clan to take care of these three wandering strangers. You see, in Scripture, there's this running narrative that when you welcome the stranger, you welcome God. Later in the New Testament, when the Hebrew writer was reflecting on this very story, he said, like, when you welcome strangers, you could actually be welcoming angels without knowing it. That's Hebrews 13, 2. And then when Jesus was preaching he, in Matthew 25, he says, whatever you did to the least of these, which includes welcoming the stranger, you did for me. This, this is incredible to think. Abe and Sarah, really, they could have been caught up in their sorrow. They could have been twisted in their misery. But instead, they did not allow the unfilled, unfulfilled promise of God to deter them from being decent human beings, to welcoming people they did not know. And this invites us, I believe, to consider our own lives. How are we with the stranger? How do we greet someone who might look different than us? How do we welcome someone who may be from a different tribe, land, or race? Abe and Sarah welcomed the strangers, and somewhere in the middle of the story, they discovered that the strangers weren't unfamiliar to them at all. Instead, it was the Lord who had called Abraham. It was the Lord who had made a covenant with Abraham. It was the Lord who had already been protecting Abraham and Sarah up to this point in their lives. God was showing up to them in their hospitality to others. You ever have that moment where you're extending grace to someone and you just feel near to God? It's because you're operating in the way God designed you to operate. You're living in the way God designed you as a human being to live. God is the personal God. And what God is doing in the life of Abraham and Sarah right here was really personal to him. 
That's why he's showing up. Think about this. God wanted to bless all nations. That's all people. God had this great redemption plan, and he wanted to work it through Abraham. We as Christians, we know that the promise that God gave to Abraham would eventually be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus was Abe's great, 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 fill in the blank, great grandson. You see, God saw the broken world and he wanted to bless that broken world through a people. He wanted to care for the world through a particular tribe of people. God had a personal long-term goal of redemption in mind. This is personal for God. In God's plan of redemption, Abraham and Sarah weren't the conclusion of the plan, but they were catalysts within the plan. You know what I mean? Like, so Vic Hamilton, one of my professors at Asbury said this, and I really liked it, so I'm gonna quote it to you again. Abraham and Sarah weren't the conclusion of the plan. They were catalysts in the plan. They were a vital part of God's personal plan to redeem the world. They weren't the main point. Jesus was the main point, but they were a vital part. They were catalysts in bringing about the redemptive plan that God had been setting in motion. And so he shows up to Abraham and Sarah and he affirms again his promise to them and to the world. And it felt a little disbelievable. Sarah's been waiting 24 years. And so she laughs. It's like, ah. This is the laughter of disbelief. She knew her biological clock had stopped ticking. That is a little funny, a little phrase that she says right here. I'm a little worn out, right? But God responds with this. And I, I don't know what you've been waiting on, but I want you to put yourself in Sarah's shoes and hear what God said to her for you. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too difficult? I don't imagine God is waving his finger in shame at this woman who has carried barrenness with her through all of her years. I imagine him gently saying it, maybe even like laughingly, just not like in a mocking laugh, but in a gentle laugh. Like, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? In God's personal plan of redemption for this world, he longs for his people, that's me and you, to understand that he holds all the power, that they can trust him with all things. They can believe his promise. They can trust him with all things. And he wants them also to believe that they're a part of the fulfillment of that promise. How do we show trust in God's promise? We do what Sarah and Abraham did. They acted on the promise. This was no incarnational conception when Isaac came about, right? Incarnational conception, Mary, the mother of Jesus. It was just her and the Holy Spirit, right? And then here comes Jesus. Pretty amazing. That's not what happened here. No, Abraham and Sarah, (laughs) Abraham who was as good as dead as Hebrews describes him, which who wants to be described that way? (laughs) 
and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, they still, you know what I'm saying, acted on the promise. (laughs) This is a funny story when you're really looking at it. (laughs) Huh. Think about this. They were not apathetic. There's a bit of passion that they had to express as they believed the promise of God. They had to act out in faith. But can we, can we be honest? If they've been acting out in faith for 24 years, it probably was harder and harder as they moved along. But yet they persisted. And let's read what happens because they decided to take the Lord at his word. Genesis 21, verses 1 through 5. And if you don't already have this very first verse underlined, just underline it as I read. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham was, get this, a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Whoo! Sarah said, I love this line, God has brought me laughter And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And then she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. (laughs) Ha ha! Oh my goodness. Isn't this incredible that the first son in the family line of Jesus, his name is Laughter? Does that not reveal that our God is a God of joy and a God who longs for us to enjoy the promises that he has given us? The Lord was gracious to Sarah. Did you see that? Grace, grace, God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Fill in the blank. We can't stop singing about God's grace. It's this gift to us who have not earned what has been given. Romans 5 says, you want to know how much God loves you? He proved his love for you by dying for the ungodly. Yes, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. God proved his love for us before we could prove our love for him, right? Before we could prove anything. God came to Abraham before Abraham had done anything. He just picked him up in, in Genesis chapter 12 and says, yo, I want to bless the nation or bless all the nations and I want to bless them through you. And it's not because you're like extraordinarily special beyond what everybody else is. No, I'm just choosing you and it's going to be amazing for the world. And then we see that God's grace continues to work in Abraham and Sarah. 
Like Abraham and Sarah, if you follow the, um, the story between um, Genesis 12 and Genesis 18, Abraham and Sarah had several opportunities to wreck the promise. Abraham loaned his wife out twice to leaders of other nations. But God protected them. God preserved his promise. That's grace. And Abraham and Sarah, they got tired and they're like, all right, why don't we try another way? You can use the, um, Hagar, my, my concubine. We'll, we'll have that child and then that, that'll be the one that we'll raise to be the child of promise. But nope. God said, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it my way. God's gonna, God continues to extend his grace. And this is who God is, full of grace. Remember last week, I started with this question, what do we do in times like these? We pray, we lament, and we remember who God is. And last week we talked about how um, God is this incredible creator, right? He is just full of delight. He's full of power, but he gives that power away. This week, let's focus on this. If we're gonna remember who God is, he is a God of grace, the God of the second chance, the God who extends love before you can do anything for him. I love this. God extends his grace by keeping his promises in this story. And so Sarah, overwhelmed by this grace, is now full of joy. The laughter of disbelief has been turned into laughter of belief and relief. And so she and Abraham tagged their son with the name, ha ha, Right? And to reveal that God has brought them laughter. And now everyone who hears about this story will laugh with them. And think about this. When you met Jesus, you were living in a dark place, right? When you met Jesus, you understand he turns your darkness into light. He turns your mourning into laughter. He turned your evil into good, your hate into love. You know the birth of laughter that has happened in you when you gave your life to Christ. And so what was God doing for 25 years? What was God, what was God doing? Like if he could speak creation into existence, couldn't he have just spoken and made the biology of Abe and Sarah work when they were a bit younger and had a little bit more energy? Does his lack of fulfillment of the promise in their time reveal that he doesn't care about them or his absence from them? Hardly so. God was with them, like that song said. He's in the waiting there was never a moment where God ceased being faithful to them. There has never been a moment where God has ceased being faithful to you. And not just you, but anyone you meet. And as people of the promise, people who have inherited what God sent through Abraham, people who have Jesus living within us, that means we see everybody as potential recipients of the promise, and we treat them like that. We show them the grace that we've received in him. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now, 
I want to tell you a story of faithfulness in the waiting. I, um, in our weekly Wednesday updates, um, last couple weeks, I shared um, this statement that was made by the York County Police Chiefs and the um, Clergy and Black Ministers Association. Um, when we came together two weeks ago, I got to hear the origin story about this group meeting together. We got together um, to read a statement denouncing the death of George Floyd and standing in solidarity for a unified York. After the statement was read, we spread out in a big circle. Pastors shoulder to shoulder, masks on, police officers as well, mostly the chiefs that were there. And police chiefs came into the circle to testify and some of them weren't Christians, testifying to the grace of God that they had received through this relationship that was built over the last four years. We have a lot to be proud of, friends. All 18 police chiefs in our community have stepped up and said, we want to learn from and join with these pastors in understanding how we can better partner with our community. And I believe because of those relationships, we are seeing um, positive results even to this day. The police chiefs got up there and they, and they shared about their very first time when they got together and um, a black pastor got up and shared about how her son would leave his place of employment in a particular, um, in a particular township. I won't name it, she named it. Um, and was regularly tailed all the way to his house by a police officer. Apparently, when she shared that story, it was rather tense in that first meeting. And people weren't really sure if this was going to continue. But both the police chiefs and this group of clergy had hope for our community, and they had humility to listen to and learn from each other. And so the police chiefs have now started listening and started actually adapting their hiring, firing, and training procedures based off of these relationships. This is how change happens. It's not instant. It's through relationships over time. I thank God that this group has worked together. They've refused to be apathetic Right? They've refused to give up hope and instead stand together for a unified York. So what about us? What do we do in our waiting times? I want to give us five things that we can do. Trust God. Repent of anti-hospitality. Repent of apathy. Believe that nothing is too wonderful for God. And let laughter be born in us. Number one, trust God. Even if you don't see him working, that doesn't mean he's abandoned you. Abe waited 25 years. I was 14 25 years ago. From no son to first son through his wife, Sarah. You can trust God beyond what you can see. We believe as Christians that, that Jesus is coming back soon. Amen? 
We believe that he died and rose again and is preparing a place of perfect peace, a place of harmony and goodness and love, a place for people of every tongue, nation, and tribe to worship him and enjoy him forever. We believe it even though we don't see it, but we know it's coming and we act as if it were coming true today. Christians believe that Jesus' death on the cross changes everything about how we relate to others. And this is why we must repent of any ounce of anti-hospitality within ourselves. Abe and Sarah welcomed the stranger, and they became an example for us. And so I think it's important for us as church members, as people who belong to Jesus Christ to ask, is there anything in my life where I'm not trusting God enough to welcome those who are different than me? Are you making room in your life for people who are different? To repent of anti-hospitality means you've got to repent of judgmentalism, prejudice, and racism. To be hospitable to all people is to go against racism. And if you're tired of me talking about racism, racism is a real problem. And the church has to lead the way in that conversation. Jesus Christ, in his death on the cross, has destroyed the barrier between races. We as Christians have been leading this conversation since the start. The blessing that God wanted to bring through Abraham wasn't a blessing to turn everybody into a bunch of Jews. God blessed the Jews. No, it was to open a blessing through the Jews, the, Jesus being the ultimate one, to bless the, all the nations through the Jews. Me and you, Gentiles, most of us, right? Thank God that this religion is not based on race, but based on grace, right? This thing, Jesus Christ, has started an, a, um, a hospitality movement, if you will. And so, if you're tired of me talking about racism, check your heart. I'm not sure that's the Holy Spirit stirring that up in you. Say, Holy Spirit, what's, what's so irritated in me? What needs to break in me? Just this week, I realized, you know, as a, as a young man, I told racist jokes. Golly, day. And I hadn't, I, I'd never like thought like, oh, I gave room in my life for that. I did. No more. I repent of that. That allowed in my mind and heart words that I ought not ever utter about any human being. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I encourage you, if, if, that, if you have any place in your vocabulary that includes words that describe people as less than crowned with the glory of God, repent. Ask God to purify your heart towards them. They are people he made and people that Jesus died for. If we as a church can master this, we can be a city on the hill that is an example to our world. We can lead the conversation by setting an example so people can look at us and go, oh, that's how it's done. 
I want to encourage you. Um, we are going to have another conversation about racial reconciliation and the church this Wednesday, 7.30 to 8.30, online on YouTube or Facebook. Tune in. We did it last week. It was phenomenal. I hope that you can join in um, this week. Three more things. Repent of apathy. As Abe and Sarah practiced the promise, mm-hmm, we're called to practice our faith too. There's no room for bench warmers in the kingdom. We're all on the field. And so you've got to ask yourself every day, do my actions reflect the heart of Jesus? Do my words show his grace? And perhaps you've given up hope for change in your own life, and that's why you aren't acting on the promise. Well, I want to encourage you. Believe that nothing is too wonderful for God. No addiction is too great to overcome. No wound is too great to heal. No community brokenness is too vast to bridge. No sin is too grand to be forgiven. Nothing is too wonderful for God. Look at the thing in your life that you think is impossible to overcome and join with God in the laughing belief that nothing is too wonderful for him. And finally, allow laughter to be born in you. Sarah had Isaac after years. She had years of faithfulness to Abraham and she held on to hope and allowed laughter to be born out of her. And through her obedience, Yishak was born and then Jacob was born to him and then Judah was born to him and then all the way down to Jesus. Think about that. Sarah's obedience led to Jesus. If you want Jesus' joy in your life, you must surrender your life to him. If you want to offer his joy to others through your life, you must submit every part of your life to him. Thank you for joining us for the Still Meadow Sermon Podcast. Again, please click over to our website, www.stillnaz.com. If you have a prayer request, you can go directly to stillnaz.com slash prayer. If you want to connect with people at Still Meadow, go to stillnaz.com slash connect. If you want to support Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene financially, go to stillnaz.com slash give. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be here again next week.